Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and the misfit toy I would choose would be the squirt gun filled with jelly because I would be making so many sandwiches. I'm Eric, and the misfit toy I would choose would be the cowboy on an ostrich because deep down, I'm a Final Fantasy fanboy. Number nine's the best. I'm Richard. And I would choose the bear. It's got the uh, feathers coming out of it. Because, you know, if there's one thing I like, it's mad science. And having your medical license revoked and a trip to the ethics board. All right. We got misfit toys. And we have these uh, plot holes we're going to fill because it's what we do on this podcast is we fill plot holes from movies. We are the champions of movies with plot holes. And we're going to fill some plot holes now. What are we using? Cut scenes and re-edits. I was thinking silver and gold, to be honest. Not fame and fortune? No, no one knows about that one. Ah, see? So many cut scenes. Because we are talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The classic um, special, TV special, that not quite a movie, but we're still going to talk about it. Think about the possibilities we're opening up with this. So many TV specials become open to us now. Well, we did the holiday special last year. Yeah, only if we choose. But you know what? I bet there are people somewhere, somehow, who don't know what Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is about. And you know what's going to happen? Eric, you're going to tell them what that movie is about. So, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a story about a company making a movie about a song that was made about a reindeer that was made to sell more coloring books to children. The titular Rudolph is a reindeer with a horrific genetic mutation that causes his nose to glow with the same sort of glow as a Chernobyl reactor. And emit a small whining noise. Oh yeah, that definitely goes to show he's not getting enough voltage through that, so he's definitely going to burn. The life of that uh, nose is plummeting uh, before he needs a replacement. So what you're saying is he shouldn't invest in his 401k. Because he ain't getting any returns. I mean, no, the his... half-life from the radiation is going to kill him. Maybe, but anyways, maybe his kids will. But he's probably sterile, to be honest. Uh, anyways, his parents, fearing discovery by the other reindeer, decide to hide Rudolph's shame. Unfortunately, Rudolph's secret is discovered, and he is sent into hiding. Rudolph is joined by Hermie the elf and Yukon Cornelius as they flee persecution from the masses. They stumble upon the island of misfit toys and decide to seek shelter there. Fearing for his friends, Rudolph abandons them so he can fend for himself. After saving Rudolph and his family from the abominable snow monster, Yukon, Hermie, and Rudolph return to Santa and his elves. During this reunion, Rudolph proves his worth by providing a guiding light for Santa's sleigh during a horrible snowstorm. Rudolph shows his commitment to the party by working his hardest to help others. Ultimately, the moral of this cartoon is that unless your talents benefit the state, you should be shunned. I personally think St. Nicholas in this movie should change his name to Commissar Kringle, 
since everyone exists to further the goals of the great leader. All right. Well, you should keep your politics to yourself, Eric. Uh, I'm pretty sure this movie is advocating for communism, which luckily this wasn't brought out in the McCarthy era. It would not have uh, seen the light of day. I mean, you do have a point. Rudolph's nose is red. Like his soul and Santa's suit. The signs are there, man. But now it's actually here. Some movie facts. Real facts about this movie. Real facts about this real movie. Not rock facts. Real facts. Uh, this kit was aired on TV on the 6th of December in 1964. And was almost an immediate hit. There was a lot of upset people because in the original in the original airing on the 6th of December, they never go back for the Misfit Toys. They promise they'll go back and then are never mentioned again. And Santa just chucks, drops wrapped presents from his sleigh. And so they had to go back and cut out Yukon Cornelius and his song and the plot line for the uh, Peppermint Mine so that they could go back and save the Misfit Toys that they promised to save but forgot about because they're terrible people though away from that there's a couple of entertaining things there was actually a mix-up on the copyright notice at the beginning of the film where they wrote the roman numerals wrong and so it went into public domain a lot sooner than it was supposed to because the date was written wrong wasn't it sorry wasn't it written as like 1463 or it was like a hundred years before the actual airing of the movie. Yeah. And so it was just immediately public domain. And then the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Gene Autry performance, was the second best-selling record of all time until 1980. It's got some staying power. So, and that's when it was, the song itself happened in 1949 and stayed second best until 1980. So, you know, 30 years on the uh, top of the charts had Rudolph riding pretty high. Now, question, is Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for Christmas Is You going to topple R- Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? If it hasn't already? Because I think it's been almost 20 years for Mariah Carey. Can Do you think she can go for another 10 years? Who knows? But now it's time. To talk about the plot holes, because this, the special, actually has some. I mean, I don't doubt it. They kind of just jump from scene to scene. So and there's also songs. Hey, the first plot hole happens in the opening credits, because we're introduced to Sam the Snowman, who's going to tell us the story. And then the opening credits go, Burl Ives tells us the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And now I'm confused. Because who's telling this story? Is it Burl Ives or Sam the Snowman? Sam the Snowman is one of the ver- the forms that Burl Ives takes. Oh, so Sam the Snowman is a mask and Burl Ives is an ancient eldritch being bent on horrific domination of the world? No, he's just bent on singing songs. That's what I said. All right, Burl Ives, Mask of Nirlothotep. You heard it here first. All right, so... We're getting our plot holes from IMDb because they have some here. I didn't actually look anywhere else. Did you guys look anywhere else? Not uh, at all. No. 
you said they had some, and so I trusted you, John. Well, all right. Well, your trust is founded because they are here. And Excellent. we're start. When Santa leaves at the end with Rudolph at the head of the team, there are only seven reindeer altogether, including Rudolph himself. There should be nine. Well, do we want to talk about more cuts and re-edits, or do I get, or do we have to justify this with the film? I mean, you can talk about the cuts and re-edits, re-edits because it is uh, interesting, but you do have to justify it within the film. All right. So yes, uh, initially there was another plot hole where some of the reindeer got split up, and that's why there's only seven reindeer that got cut. So. Since we only we we just have a bunch of reindeer and we can only have seven now, like any major sports team that's bent on doing like a long distance or hard marathon thing, you're not going to put in everybody to play all at once. You need to have reserves. And so the other two reindeer are on standby for when they need to come in as pinch hitters at the end of the night. Or kind of like the Pony Express that they've uh, they flew out to a post um earlier like earlier in the week and spread out so that they could uh swap someone out exactly it was good it's one of the few instances we see of santa caring about someone else in this film i think that just means he cares more about efficiency though which to be fair is very consistent with the soviet state see i assumed it was because specifically we're missing a comet and uh Donner and Donner and Donner was just uh, rescued from the clutches of the abominable snowman. And so he has to uh, recuperate from his ordeal because he was there for months, maybe at least a couple of days. Yeah. And I think Comet is actually retired. He retired to teach a uh, high school reindeering because he is the coach of the uh, new and upcoming reindeer. Well, there you go. And they don't often have, you know, someone playing in the big leagues and also being a coach. All right. Sounds great. So for the second plot hole, uh, the rationale for Rudolph leading the sleigh is foggy weather. Yet when the sleigh takes off and throughout the subsequent delivery, the weather is perfectly clear. That's because the fog is primarily a coastal phenomenon and we never actually see them flying over the coast near Santa's castle. It's all we see are the inland scenes and shots of when they're already past it. Yeah, I mean, he's got to cover the entire world. It's not just, it's a major storm and it's not everywhere, but it's in enough places. And so when they're above the clouds, they can see clearly. But once they have to get below to start aiming in that city, they're going to need that red light and the siren. Built into the nose. Yep. That whining. <laughs> um, so other fun fact. An actual scientist did a research paper on why Rudolph's nose needed to be red. It's because uh, reindeer can see in the ultraviolet. So if they had any other light, uh, the light rays would bounce off the uh, water particles and would blind the deer. But because Rudolph's nose is in the infrared, it's able to cut through the fog and they can see much easier. So, yeah, you can put those red lights on your uh, reindeer. I just thought that was a little fun fact. All right. For our next one, when Rudolph returns to Christmas Town, Santa reveals that his parents are gone, looking for him, and there are two days before Christmas. 
Santa then adds that he can't get the sleigh off the ground without his father, Donner. But at the end, when Santa's sleigh takes off with Rudolph at the lead, Donner is on the ground watching while they leave. Yeah, I think it's because he has to have that minimum um, seven reindeer lift power. I think the uh, the other thing is that Donner is the team captain and organizes the other reindeer. And that's what Santa means, that he won't be able to get the sleigh off the ground without Donner. He needs somebody somebody managing the reindeer to keep everything organized. And Donner's the one who does that? And Donner's the guy who does it. It's not that he can't physically get the sleigh off the ground with other without with other reindeer. It's that he won't be able to because everything will be a giant mess. Because uh, Donner is how Santa does it every year. He just needs his needs his organizational powers. Yep, which he passed on to his son. That's why they keep saying that Rudolph's so smart through that whole movie. It's true. I mean, he was talking like his first day. And he flew before all the other reindeer. He's a prodigy. And he's got game. Though uh, nobody's going to tell Rudolph what happens to Clarice, right? What happened to, Cl- to Clarice? Well, there's this other show called Silence of the Lambs. And things happen. It's an entirely different film. They are unconnected. There are multiple people with the names Clarice. All right. Well, related to uh, people showing up in uh, Christmas Town. Um, when Hermie and Yukon arrive in Christmas Town, just as the storm hits, Sam tells them to go to the cave of the Abominable Snow Monster. But how did Sam know that Rudolph and the, the other reindeer were in that cave? Well, we established that he's a an eldritch god, so he has unknowable knowledge. I'm in. Yeah, I'm so. I mean, how can he narrate without knowing? Yeah, he's you the omnipotent narrator. He sees all. He narrates all. Now, if the eldritch isn't for you, and you're not, bought, and you're not sold on this. The other thing I posit is that Sam the Snowman is the spy on the inside for Santa, and he is the sentry that watches the borders. And so he just watched and saw it all go down. I just assume also that, you know, Sam talks to everyone. He's like a major gossip. So in the next plot hole, uh, when the Bumble and Cornelius fall over the cliff, the reindeer look down sadly. If Bumble's bounce, as Cornelius says later... They would have bounced back up quickly, and the reindeer would have seen this. Well, see, when they look over, they don't just look down sad. They also say, he's gone. And we're meant to assume that means, you know, he's passed on. He's he's gone to a farm upstate. That he found his uh, peppermint mine filled with gold on the other side. But really, he was literally gone. The bumble and him and the dogs, they went off the edge and they hit the first little bit of snow. And that was actually covering one of those uh, underground sh- ice chutes. I can't remember what they're actually called. You, you remember what they're called, Richard? Uh, I don't. Crevasses? No, no. There's a specific name for it. Luges? Luging? No, they're like... Uh, like ice caves? That's pretty accurate. It's like a, it's a specific name for a kind of ice cave. More specific than ice cave? I mean, that's pretty specific. Yes, more specific. More specific. But so they hit that and they go sliding down the ice cave and they don't bounce until they hit the bottom. So when uh, Hermie and Rudolph and the other reindeer look over the edge, they see, you know, the abominable snowman shaped hole in the ice. 
and they, you know, they assume the worst. Nobody leaves a abominable snowman-shaped crater in the ice and survives. That's just logic. But yes, I suspect that uh, they, sure, they bounce, and but they fell into what is definitely a Goonies-esque uh, glacial slide scene, and there was a whole bunch of wacky hijinks that happened along the way. They probably slid past a bunch of things. There were bobsleds that went by. Nobody knows why. Looked out. There was probably a parade or fireworks. Probably a big adventure. And then they came out. They hit the bottom. They bounced. And then they walked back to Christmastown. All right. And so what is the chance that someone was setting up a trampoline at the very bottom when they bounce? Depends. Were the elves throwing out a misfit trampoline? Yes. All right. Well, then it seems entirely likely that there was a misfit trampoline that got chucked out because obviously the elves didn't want it. And that, that's below the ice. So, yeah, um, like for all they know, they were dead, but it takes a long time to bounce and lots of other things can happen. And at the very least, maybe they hit the bottom and then bounced to the side. You know, like when you drop a pen. Is the pen going to be down there? Even if it bounces, if it bounces, it is gone. You're going to be looking for that pen for days. If you ever see it again. Unless Annie's boob grabs it. Grabs it. <laughs> then it's going to be in the vents. With John McClane. And you have, and if you're in the vents, that means you're an imposter and should be voted out. Basically. That is so many uh, references. But then for our next plot hole. Rudolph leaves Yukon and Hermie, and when he does, he says that he hopes Yukon finds lots of tinsel. But Yukon never said he was looking for tinsel. He was looking for gold and silver. The only time tinsel gets mentioned is when Sam the Snowman is speaking, but not singing, between the verses of silver and gold. Look, these guys have been traveling together for a long time at this point. I'm pretty sure that they've had a conversation about tinsel. And barring that, maybe I hope you find some tinsel is how you say good luck in Christmastown. I think that's the most likely answer, actually. Like, you know, it's just it's a cultural thing. I mean, you know how tinsel is like you can't put tinsel back into storage easily. So if you were to find tinsel in your Christmas storage and it was still in place, that's luck. That's good luck. So, yeah, may you may you find some tinsel. I hope you find some tinsel, Richard. I hope you find some tinsel, too. And, you know, Eric, I hope you find some tinsel. Why, thanks, John. That means a lot to me, I, I guess. I hope your kids don't find it, though. They'll make a mess. Yeah, no, they definitely... that's glitter. Don't. Tinsel's okay. That just gets vacuumed up. It's the glitter-covered ornaments that, uh, that are the real <laughs> beast. Glitter ever, everywhere, forever forever but it is my turn right yes right. or is it, is it my turn it's somebody's turn next plot hole and our last one uh, when rudolph arrives home and finds out from santa that his parents have been out for months looking for him he heads off to the cave with the abominable snowman monster but how did he know to go there everyone knows if someone goes disappearing in christmas town the abominable snowman has him. Or, you know, it never got shown, but uh, Sam, the snowman, our eldritch force, told them, too, 
just like he told Yukon and Hermie where Rudolph went. Maybe that's the secret, is that the gulag is the uh, abominable snowman's cave. Is and that why the, uh, the abominable snowman is there the whole time? Yeah. He was the first person sent there. See, and it we don't know how long they were in the abominable snowman's um, clutches, because it implies that he wants to eat them, but they went missing, like, they went looking for Rudolph after he left, and so Rudolph's been gone for months, so they've been gone for months. I think, actually, the Abominable Snowman just wanted toys, and they were his action figures. Which is also really creepy when you think about it. No, they they have, there's so many uh, points of articulation. Right. Also, did you see the way those antlers bend throughout this movie? Oh, yeah. They're very expressive antlers. So, yeah. Um, maybe Rudolph just got lucky. Like, oh, well, I bet they're with the Abominable Snowman, and I know where his cave is. Because everyone knows where the cave is. And he goes there, and yeah, they're there. They could have been in a crevasse somewhere. They could have been in his ice chasm. They could have been eaten by pumas. I thought it was called an ice cost, John. Some say costs, others say cossum. But yeah, that's all the plot holes. So, uh, watching this movie, what do you all think? It is definitely different than what I remember. I think I learned a lot more about the disturbing culture of elves and their bizarre caste system, as well as the fact that all dentists are unhinged. And also, you have some thoughts here, is that Santa, Santa has a brand. And that brand is very controlling. I mean, he tries to eat healthy, but his brand is being chubby. So he has to bulk up for Christmas every year. And then as soon as Christmas is over, he slims down. And it's probably that state mandated gray food. It doesn't look very appetizing. (laughs) Yeah, that was something that I hadn't really noticed before. Like on the previous watchings before this was looking i'm like what is Santa supposed to be eating they didn't finish that food my answer is clearly it's the gray stuff it's delicious i mean it is gray yeah but the caste system of the elves because i mean all the elves are identical except for a few who are different and you know they have different jobs because there's the foreman elf but there's that one scene where he has a different voice so either He's been changing his voice this entire movie, or only elves that look like that can be foreman. Maybe there's maybe elves are more like Pokemon, and then they start out as those generic looking ones, and then when they get enough levels, they evolve into the foreman. But then they get spread out to kind of guide the other uh, uninitiated elves or un- unspecialized elves. How about that? So I guess it's more like a hive of bees. Or maybe it's like an Eevee. There's different stones to turn you into different kind of elves. And that was Hermes' problem as he got turned into a dentist elf. Like some elves can become cookie elves. I thought they Herm- used what? The tooth stone for him? Yeah, they used the tooth stone on him. So I also have the theory that Hermie is the one who made all the misfit toys. I mean, clearly, he was not committed to that toy making. Yeah, and He's obviously been doing it for a while. It's not like a yesterday thing where he started acting weird and not being good at toy making. I thought it was because uh, Hermie was a uh, a human instead of an elf. 
He might be because he has hair. He also has round ears instead of the pointed ears. So Hermie is an orphan. They, he basically did Elf before Will Ferrell did. And just nobody knew. But yes, he wants to be a dentist. So something is kind of slightly wrong with him. I mean, he he's practicing dentistry on dolls. And then he pulls all the teeth out of the snowman. Or the abominable snow monster. And uh, I don't think any of those teeth need to be pulled. And let's talk. Can we talk about how the fact that he did not have and did not use any anesthetic for that entire thing when you're talking about he had snow everywhere he just has to numb the local area it's an abominable snow monster it can handle cold and then like as soon as he has a chance to put the foreman who tormented him into his power he takes it he's like oh yeah you're gonna have to come in i'm gonna have to do some work on you got an appointment for you next tuesday so yeah anytime hermy was on scene hundred percent i heard the dentist song from little shop of horrors playing in my head see what i remember of this is rudolph the red-nosed reindeer always felt like a much more massive and epic show and that's because you're remembering the commercials john there were like 20 commercial breaks in this uh 40 minute the journey show. to the island of misfit toys was a lot longer everything had more importance like this was the original lord of the rings trilogy if you think about it very important for kids like the cartoon one no like like the the ralph barksy version yeah no the the, the 2000s one the peter jackson trilogy not the new new one so and uh, because i'll always take take a chance to talk about lord of the rings when they heard that or when you guys heard that amazon was remaking the lord of the rings um was remaking lord of the rings as a tv show did any of you think why that movie just barely came out not realizing it's been about 20 years i didn't think that um i didn't know they were remaking like the story i thought they were just doing like a middle earth um series nope turns out john it's the lord of the rings they are just doing lord of the rings i mean it would be interesting if they went into like baron and luthien or the fall of numenor or things like that but then you're going to have to like they'd have to hire steve colbert as their research department and you don't think he would volunteer for that oh he would 100 percent volunteer i'm just saying that he has an agent who tells him he has to get paid to do these things and and the agent's like you have to get paid and he's like oh do i now see my thought though was is should we really compare rudolph the red-nosed ranger to lord of the rings when it is more connected to uh narnia both in that santa claus and father christmas are characters and also both have a lion who's a king also can we talk about that lion that's the king's name moon racer moon racer i mean i definitely did not remember that from watching it as a kid and when i heard that i was just Really? Really? Maybe Where's they've the been f- reading the never-ending story. Where does the flying um, lion come from anyways? Like, it's just a thing that's there. And you never ask questions about this. But really, what does a, a flying lion have to do with uh, Christmas in any regards? It's got to be tied with some of their other shows, like 
maybe their non-Christmas claymation ones? So I can go with the like definitely not related, but I can relate it anyway. All right. So that's our bread and butter. Production for Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer was actually done by a Japanese company, and they they're the ones who did all of the stop motion animation, handled all the puppetry and all of that. And there's also the Dungeon Meshi story, and that also has a winged lion that is the demon at the heart of it. It's the demon that controls a dungeon that is there to grant wishes so that it can become more powerful and also destroy the world. So clearly uh, this was an early pro this was an early venture for the winged lion trying to uh, practice controlling an island of misfit toys. Ah, and, and it would find homes for the misfit toys by grant and that would grant their wish and the wish of children double wish double power all right well what else do we have to say about rudolph the red-nosed reindeer so i didn't remember like this is definitely the the version we watched is the version that i remember the most and then i remember watching it um like later after the vhs release happened and they had included the Yukon Cornelius peppermint mine plot line. And I was super confused, but it was like, okay, you know, I get, I guess I just didn't remember this. And then it ended up getting taken back out for the DVD release. And so then I was like, wait, what what was that? But there was the whole Yukon Cornelius fame and fortune song. So you thought it was a Mandela effect for a while? I did. For a while, I was just like, but there, Yukon had this whole other song. And there was this other plot line. And now it turns out that they just couldn't make up their mind whether to put it in or not. But uh, yeah, it. I think it qualifies as a classic. I mean, because you can watch it I every mean, single year. Yeah, you, you can always watch it and kids will always watch it and they'll always enjoy it. It doesn't need any other special uh, context. Except for maybe the fact that uh, Charlie in a Box might be a reference to the Vietnam Vietnam War. You know, then the plight that POW suffered by having to sit in boxes, you know, it's really quite horrible. Or it was horrible. I mean, but that might just be a deep cut and we just might be making things up. But you know what? It's up to you, listener. And if you like Rudolph the Resonance Reindeer or you prefer... Um, Santa Claus is coming to town or a different Rankin Bass as your Christmas go-to, you can let us know on Facebook. Also, leave a like. Or if you have a Rankin Bass Christmas movie that you want us to cover for next year, or a specific movie that you want us to want us to talk about, let us know in a tweet over at Plot Spackle Pod in 248 characters or less. And... If you have some extreme deep cuts about the uh, Rankin Bass or any of the other uh, Christmas classics, but it won't fit in a tweet, feel free to email us at plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. And also, real quick, we want to give a shout out to our patrons. We hope you guys find your tinsel. I think our patrons would live on an island called the Island of Awesome Toys. They don't need awesome toys. They don't need Santa to tell them that they're worth something. 
we know that they're worth something. And I hope they find their tinsel.